This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 632, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Fanboy Pick of the Week, episode 632. I'm Connor Kilpatrick. This is my co-host, Josh Lanigan. It is exactly who you just said. That's you. And we are iFanboy. Every week we read a bunch of comics. One of us picks their favorite comic. We call it the Pick of the Week. We, read, we talk about that book. We talk about other books we read. We talk about patron picks and superpowers and listener mail if we have time. Basically, we try to entertain you and ourselves for one hour, which is the goal. Hopefully we reach Mostly ourselves. Mostly ourselves, and by extension, you. It's, it's, it's a little concept I like to call trickle-down entertainment. That's right. And That's I figure, right. like the old formula is I just need to make Ron laugh, but he's not right. here anymore. Connor's harder to make laugh, or it's to me, yes, he is. Not in a bad way, but it's But a the thing way. is, like, do you want it to be easy, or do you want the challenge? You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a complicated question, Connor. After so many years, you want to mix it up, you know? I, I agree with that. Wait, are you getting rid of me? <laughs> we have to have a meeting after this, this show's over. So here's your spoiler warning. It's a review show. There will be spoilers. Exercise some caution. Use your brain. This is Josh's week for the pick. Josh, you had it. Yeah, I, there were, uh, I think I said this last week. I probably say the same things every week. I just have to accept that. After you do something a thousand times, um, or 632, you're going to probably. I think we're probably... almost near 900 shows. I looked in the thing. Yeah. I, there were several contenders this week, um, I think. And yeah, sure. and I went with this one, um, which is Spider-Man number 240. How'd they get that number? I don't know. Is <laughs> it accurate? I don't know. I don't, well, I don't think anyone could know. Um, I do know that I don't like the font that they used on two because it looks like Z40, which looks like an, a, an automotive additive of some kind. Um, yeah. And... A little ways through, this is basically, this is Brian Bendis's last Ultimate Spider-Man issue. Really, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's his last issue uh, with, with Miles Morales as a character, but also Ultimate Spider-Man as a continuation, which is really where most of us got to know him uh, sort of in depth as a creator. Um, and I'm reading through this, and basically there was a big fight at the end of the last one, and there was this whole... Uh, drama with his uncle coming back and supervillains, and then they just kind of stopped it. They said, I oh, got knocked out and you've been sick. Did I have anything to do with the fight? No, you got an infection. And I thought, oh, this is what happened to Bendis um, himself, the real person. Uh, in December, he became gravely ill with a sort of random uh, MERS disease um, and apparently almost died several times. Um, and it was it was a real sort of like, shock to the system, a life-changing event kind of thing. And I was like, oh, this is, he's doing that story here, which gives me pause to think for a second. It's like, do, is that a good idea? And right. as I'm reading it, I thought, yep, this totally works for me in this context. Um, specifically with the parts of, he kept waking up basically and he'd have some consciousness and he would see that there would be people who loved him all around him. And then he'd kind of pass out again. And then he'd wake up and he'd see different people were going to be there. Um, there's a point where 
he wakes up and and Genki's sitting there and he's like, you haven't been here at all. And he's like, I've been here the whole time. You've been asleep. And they look outside and Peter Parker is in a hammock outside. And they were like, he's never, he hasn't <laughs> left. And I, I just found it really touching. Um, yeah. I, I mean, even as take, even take away the layer of realism to it. Yes. As a, as a wrap up, it was, you know, it was almost like this is your life, Miles Morales, you know? Um, yeah. Like but, here are all the people that have helped, that have loved you for the last however many issues Miles has been in the book. Um, it was and, sweet. And you mix that with the fact that there is an element of realism to it, even in just like Brian Bendis knows what this feels like and he can put that into the character. Um, whole thing happens and uh, basically like a big shield thing comes up. He's better. He gets out and he's like, I got to go do one thing. And it's because he promised his friend that he'd go to the movies all day. And so the last panel, um, which is a combination of uh, Sarah Pichelli, um, and and the the other artist, uh, the normal artist is Oscar Basildua. He did most of the issue, um, but the last issue is sort of them in the movie theater laughing and being happy. And Justin Ponsor, who has also had a medical, uh, pro- yeah, he didn't color this issue, yeah, um, because of that. Which, there's and there's he's there's cancer, yeah. GoFundMe drives or whatever it is for him, Indiegogo, whatever whatever it is they're doing to help him out because he's a comic book colorist, so he has no security in his life at all. So if that's the thing that you can help, you should go help him because he colored every one of these issues for ever. Um, yeah. And if that's an important thing to you, the thing about comics is that uh, there's not much of a retirement plan, but the community tends to take care of each other, um, which is a beautiful thing, which is, I, th- I think like this is all wrapped up in this thing being one big metaphor. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it wasn't, it wasn't fully, uh, it, it, it wasn't f- without uh, consideration of taking in the sort of the two-page essay at the end that Bendis wrote where he explains it. And he talks about how, you know, in the, in the real life, Matt Fraction was the guy who was just always right. there sleeping in the chair. Um, <laughs> and I was reading it. I had an emotional reaction. Like, really, yeah. I was like, I'm having a genuine feeling about this. And also there's the – this the, Ultimate Spider-Man started in 1999. This is the year that the, the, the three of us who started this thing graduated college. As we did this website, this is the book that has been... We talked about this also with Invincible, but even more so Ultimate Spider-Man is For that sure. book that represents the the age of comics that a lot of our lives have been put into. And a lot of this experience for us has been a thing. And this is ending. And, you know, as a person like myself is entering what I don't like to call middle age, but is in <laughs> reality middle age... There's a thing happening there. There's an epoch changing. There's like we're getting used to a lot of changes in everything in the world as parts of the world tend to leave us behind and and things change that we don't necessarily want to change, but they have to because that's what happens. And uh, so this got me. I'm having a hard time talking about it right now. and I don't know why. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, as a first of all, I'd like to mention this has nothing to do with the book. Apparently in the middle of talking, uh, I opened up Comicsology to look to open the issue and the, the app updated. It looks totally different. And I was completely confused and couldn't find the issue. And I was freaking out for a second. Um, but I found it. Uh, it is an interesting thing when you consider that this book has defined and you don't want to call it the ultimate age or whatever the current age of comics mm-hmm. are in. But this was an age that was defined by that. That it began with with that imprint and those creators that did those things that had all this effect on comics and this book specifically being the most successful, well, the Ultimates had a big impact on comics, but and Ultimate X Men didn't have any impact on comics. But this one, Bendis and Bagley's run together, beating Stan and Jack's run on Fantastic Four, and and really cementing Bendis at that time in the in 1999 2000 as you know the most important writer in comics at the time yes. of Ultimate Spider Man and New Avengers, and and this becoming a very personal journey along the way for him. 
uh, transitioning to Miles Morales and then not losing a beat. Uh, it just it, it's a bit of a very important book, even if and we've talked about this before. It sort of lost its resonance when they brought him over to the regular Marvel universe and it stopped being called Ultimate Spider-Man. It was called it was called Miles Morales: Cold Spider-Man. Then it was called Spider-Man. When, just, when they started calling it Spider-Man, I didn't I didn't see it. Like I, st- yeah, I stopped I was, reading I it without meaning to. Beginning. Yeah, it's. It, it kind of, for me, the era kind of ended when it stopped being Ultimate Spider-Man, and he, he moved into the Marvel Universe. It's been fun since then, but it hasn't been as special, and I don't really, like, when it ended, I was thinking, so now what? Because in the essay, he says he hopes that, you know, Miles lives on and flourishes, but I guess after finishing that essay, my thought was, well, why? Like, it doesn't, I, he, well, it, he doesn't I, bring anything to the table. He He is not, even as a reimagined minority version of a traditionally white character he's not as impactful as say miss marvel is to the to the market no one talks about miles morales he's not he he it just doesn't have an impact and i don't know why he would continue but that's not important to this particular discussion see i don't know that that's true but i don't really have any evidence to it one way or the other i think uh, i was thinking of the two characters that i feel like that because we talked forever about this this idea that every time marvel or dc comes with a new character most of the time nobody cares and i feel like between Miles Morales and Kamala Khan, those are those are two characters who seem to have some footing uh, that some mm-hmm. that others didn't. Now we don't know what anybody else writing Miles Morales would be, was be like because nobody's ever gotten a chance to. Same with Jessica Jones, like he owned. Well, those. I mean, as a solo book, but he's been he's been in the Champions book. He's been another. Mm-hmm. He's been in the Avengers yeah, book. Right. Um, uh, just to, to me, as a, as a character who's been around for a while in, in the Marvel in the larger Marvel universe, he he hasn't made much of an impact. I um, like him there. I don't. I see. I don't know that I agree with that. And and but you know that's just my point of view on it. Is you know I find him interesting. I find that you're getting that that kid amongst you know because Peter Parker's forty or whatever he's supposed to be now. You know, leave the agent back down. Yeah, well, I, I, but I also don't even know. I don't even. I've spent more time with Miles Morales than I have Peter Parker, so there's that too. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, 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 what happens to him one way or another, I think, is dependent on what that is and who's writing and how it's being done. And I don't really care one way or the other. But um, yeah, but I, this it just as a sort of a, a milestone. There's a lot of milestones and seals like, but this one actually felt like an actual milestone. Like, oh, this is a ch-, like he's stepping away from this more than. Jessica Jones did, which we talked about. Um, yeah, and it's a different it's, kind of milestone. I mean, you, life is not life is messy, and it's not easy to align things. Mm-hmm. But it felt like this should have been Bendis's final issue, as opposed to Iron Man six hundred. Yeah, this yeah. felt like his farewell to Marvel, and it is in that he has farewell to Marvel essay in the back. You felt, you just felt like, I mean, who, who ultimately who cares? Who cares? It doesn't matter. But no. and he I knows like that he's aware this, of that. This should have been. What I mean is, who cares which one's his last issue? Sure. But like. I felt like I was closing the the door on the Bendis era at Marvel with this comic and and not whichever whenever Invincible Iron Man eventually comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, that said, that I'd matter. like to read the end of that. Sure, for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, this was this was this was terrific. And I, even though it was a bummer to lose uh, Sarah Pacelli and Dave Marquez, Oscar Bazaluda has been good. He's, he's, he's a solid comic artist. Well, you know, he talked about, and I, I really enjoyed the essay at the end. And, you know, like, yeah. I think it's interesting. Like, our our relationship with Bendis as a creator, not personal, I don't have a personal relationship with Bendis, I'm not saying it like that, is has been interesting. Um, and it's, it's very much, I guess it's gone through our whole sort of adult 
quote unquote professional relationship with comics and everything. And like for a little while, you know, for a while he was new and exciting and like, oh, wow, look how great he's doing. And he's and then after a little, while, I was like, yeah, we're, we know, you know, it's you're aware of him. It's fine. And then, you know, you have little bits where you kind of don't appreciate him. You take him for granted. And then other bits where you're like, well, that's the stuff. Sounds I like. like a marriage. It does. And that's sort of like it has a similar feeling to that. Um, but without any of the financial strain, um, <laughs> you know, and, and he talks about how over the course of this book, you know, he, he didn't know what he was doing when he was starting it. And then all these artists who, and he talks about Bagley and, and sort of what that meant. And he talks about like how you really want to think about a guy like Dave Marquez, where I've known, I've known Dave since before this stuff. And he did that Fantastic Four graphic novel. We didn't really do anything. And he ended up on some of the Bendis Ultimate Spider-Man stuff. And then now he's drawing you know, the event for Marvel. So you've seen right. that happen. You see, you know, he sort of broke out of that thing. Sarah Pacelli's a, a sort of a different story, but, you know, it's, she became a sort of special collaborator. And I just, I like, I like when you look back, the sort of epic arc of that story that uh, in real time dovetails with sort of the, the comic book ongoing story. Sure. It's, it's really all, interesting as a piece of cultural history to me. It's all, well, the one thing comics can't escape and probably will never escape is that the meta-ness of it. Yes. Because it's such a small industry that everything is sort of a commentary on itself. And, well, it, or, if you're a person like Bendis who is literally putting out, you know, let's just say a story, a scripted story a week over the course of 18, 19 years, mm-hmm. you, there's no way you're going to be able to do that without putting yourself into it, you know? Yeah. And so, regardless of how much people say this is autobiographical, or he's just making it, or like he's in there, and this is a big change. It's it's well, it should a, be in there, right? Yes, he's, absolutely. He's an artist. He's an artist, and it makes it art. The artist should put some of themselves into the art somehow, and it always makes it better. This issue was better than a normal issue because it was a bit. It was something he had personal experience with. Yeah, and I and I don't know why. Uh, I mean, like I, I I can't pinpoint. You know we pretty good at talking about this kind of stuff. I can't tell you exactly what it is that made this work for me, but I know that it did. Like, yeah. It's one of those, like, I don't know what art is, but I know if I like, but there, this, this was, uh, this was affecting to me. And, and it was even before I got to the essay at the end. And that last page was affecting me. I don't really know why. Maybe, you know, that could be a well, stand in for us. Kind of. I, I mean, mean, like we, Genki if, was kind of the audience, right? He's a fan of superheroes. Yeah. He, he liked the, he liked all the trappings of it. He wanted to be involved, and but also there's a there's there's a whole lot of meta commentary, there's metaphors going on. The thing at the end is we got you got to go do superhero stuff. You got to do the work, and then the thing is yeah, but I got to go do this fun thing with the thing that's important to me, and that that's that right there encapsulates I think our relationship with comics a lot. Like <laughs> comics are work for us. We turned it into a thing, just like superheroing was fun for him, but it became the thing that was hard, that was whatever, you know. And then like, wait, we gotta have fun. You show two friends watching something they really like and laughing, and that, you know, that's a thing right there. Remember, this yeah. is fun. I know. We're supposed to be having fun here, everyone. Can't you tell? <laughs> <laughs> so this was um, there was a lot of interesting books that came out this week, including. Uh, what was probably considered a pickly contender on Monday and Tuesday was the Avengers number one, Jason Aaron, Ed McGinnis, Mark Morales. This is the uh, you know the new version of the Avengers that spun out of, I guess that weekly series I read. I don't know. <laughs> um, so I I am very curious what you thought of this because I liked it, and obviously I love Jason Aaron. I like I don't know, I like Ed McGinnis a lot, hmm. but 
it's sort of I spent a lot of time on part on stuff that I think is the has been the problem with Marvel for a while. And it made it less fun. Would you like to elaborate on that before I comment? Because I'm curious what that means. And maybe that will help crystallize well, a little what I'm So the about. opening opens with his uh, ancient Avengers, the ones he introduced a while back, you know, yep. Odin and the Phoenix Force. And, and I knew nothing about any of that. So that was all new to me. Right. So these this ancient group of Avengers who are all avatars in some way for current, the modern ones. And that's fun. Old, an old Iron Fist and that kind of thing. Uh, and then we could jump to the modern day in which... Tony Stark and Steve Rogers and newly shorn-haired Thor. Well, not newly shorn. He's been shorn for a while, but it still bugs me that an actor's choice of not one to wear a wig is affecting the comics, but whatever. Um, uh, are having a drink to celebrate and toasting themselves and the Avengers, and there's a lot of discussion about whether or not they should reform the Avengers and whether or not it has to be them doing it or they should move on and let other people be the Avengers. And the, we've talked about this for a bit, like especially on the Marvel side, I just really am ready for the heroes to be heroes and not Hydra Cap and Unworthy Thor and Cometh Tony as they nicknamed themselves. Like, uh-huh. I get maybe you have to deal with it, but not necessarily. you don't necessarily have to deal with it. And I just, to spend the whole time with them basically having this discussion about whether or not they are worthy to be the Avengers is just... In the like, first I, issue, like you feel like maybe they should have done that in the prelude issue, then left it behind. Yeah, it's just let's okay, let's I'll move forward that. in issue one and be the Avengers and not oh right now we're all in the Skydra Cap it's, thing it's, again. It's funny because again we're talking about metaphors. Like if you want the escapism of everything, like let these people be able to shack, you know, get rid of whatever it is that's that's dragging them down and be you know these let these fantastic characters go ahead and be that you know. Yeah. And I think you're right. It's, we've seen this over and over again as as like our generation of comic book creators is sort of grown up and dealt with real world stuff. They keep saddling these heroes with this like these unescapable issues, you know? It's they, just, it's a malaise that's over all these characters that quite frankly I don't need in my entertainment. Well, it's like they're, they're trying to find a way to justify the I don't know, the dramatic quality of these characters by doing that kind of stuff. But I like I think for one, like I did not mind did not love, did not mind the Hydra Cap story. But I don't want to I don't want that to be what the character is for a long time. The same way that I don't want Batman to be mourning about whoever died last, whether it's Robin mm-hmm. or or you know, whether it's Jason Todd or Damien or whoever. Right. Like I don't want that. Um, cause it is, it's a lot less fun version of it. Okay. So that being said, and I think we're both on the same page about that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I found, so initially I didn't know what the hell's going on. Um, a million years ago, they have these characters. I was like, okay, I get what they are. These are all analogs. A million years ago, I was like, that math doesn't seem quite right, but who cares? Um, <laughs> just cause I was like, there aren't people. Um, <laughs> so where are they from? But again, doesn't matter. Um, Celestials show up. I start reading the story. My first instinct right away, and I'm the asshole here. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know if Ed McGinnis is right for this. Well, it doesn't matter. He's, he's going to be gone in halfway through the next issue. Yeah, okay. That being the case, um, I, I kind of, I, I think it was a, a case of expectation. Like, oh, this is, I don't know if this is what I expected to be looking at. It did feel, um, I'm just going to deal with this as an issue by issue basis. Like, it did feel like, I was like, this, is this comic from now? Because it felt because he's got a style that I relate with at an earlier age, fifteen years ago, something like that. Um, 
so it took me a little bit to get used to. I will say so by the end, I was like, this is fine. I don't, I don't have a problem with it. It was just sort of got me at the beginning. Um, as the story progressed, what you're saying is true. I think that thing in the bar, like I was like, Jesus, get over this. In fact, I don't even care about Tony. Tony, you can do whatever because Tony's sort of a good cipher for carrying around shit that he has to deal with while acting cool about it. Thor mm-hmm. and Captain America, though, let them let them shine. Just right. just have that be a thing. It's It's been a long time. But at the same time, Jason Aaron is in the middle of this like massive Thor arc. Eh, you know, let him do his thing. Anyway, as I get to the end, Celestial start falling out of the sky. I thought, that's pretty cool. Right. And and I, I you know, I spent a lot of time thinking about whether I, you know, as I'm, am I enjoying this? Is this cool? And then by the end, I was like, all right, I want to know what happens next. So it ended up where it was supposed to. It? I mean, the time of it up until now. So you got like <laughs> at least, I don't want to say 36 hours, something like that. Well, I mean, that's like it's just scratching the surface of thinking, well, it's but. all the available time I had. So, I mean, like I'm, I ended up where you ended up like I was like, by the end. It was great. I thought this could have been a very this could have been like Avengers Zero or a mm-hmm. prelude issue for free comic day or something. But um, whereas we'll get into the action next issue. I, I, I don't want to be down on the book. I, I, I liked it. I'm looking forward to reading it. I'm excited that Jason Aaron's writing the Avengers. I'm excited to be reading the Avengers full time again. Not really counting that weirdo weekly event um i'm excited i just was ex- hoping to really love it and then we spent a lot of time in the bar talking about how bummed they were about each other and i was just like oh, i don't want that right now but at the end when they all form together to fight this or at least figure out why these celestials are falling out of the sky um I was, i'm into it i like the team lineup captain marvel she hulk dr strange black panther oh look it's all the people from the movie except for she hulk um but uh, i hate knowing that ghost rider if I didn't um, know it, like, I'm fine with everybody, but I'm like, it was Black Panther because he has to be there. Now, it's, I know that's not a bad thing with Black Panthers, but I did think that, and I hate that I think that. Yeah, because Black, Black Panther's always been awesome on the team. I know. Um, I'm not comp- – it's just it's just like, you know, I'm surprised I didn't find a way to stick a Guardian of the Galaxy on there. But uh, it's whatever. We're very cynical. I get it. But yes. um, you can still do fun it. things with those with those movie, movie-driven cynicisms. You can still make a fun comic out of it, and I, I, I have no doubt that Jason Aaron will do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm looking forward to more, even if I didn't love this particular issue. I liked it. At, at the end of the day, I liked it. Yeah, I, I don't think it. I, I loved love it. it. I'm looking forward to more. Um, yeah. I don't like the idea that I didn't know that that McGinnis is only around for an issue or two. Like I don't. No, no. I mean, I, I'm just, I'm just saying. Oh, is that a joke? Historically speaking. Oh, okay. Sorry, I didn't get that. No, no. I'm not saying he's. I'm just saying. It's like when you have a book with Adam Hughes as your artist. Sure, sure. You know. Um, but I want that. I'm like, not expecting. I, I'm not expecting McGinnis to be around for very long. That's I want a cohesive run. That's all, that's all I want out of things now. Like, I don't care who the person is. Just p- put the person on it. So DC Nation number zero was DC's, like, uh, this is kind of where I feel like Avengers number one should have been, this kind of book. But this was their, you know, 25 cent, here's what's going to happen in the next year with our biggest characters. I completely missed that this was a thing. So book, uh, Featuring a Batman story from Tom King and Clay Mann. A Superman story from Bendis and Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, the legend, and Justice League, a story from S- Scott Snyder, James Tinian, Josh Williamson, and Jorge Jimenez that's going to kick off their miniseries. Um, I thought this was really great. The Clayman, the Tom King story was terrific. It was the Joker waiting anxiously for his invitation to the Batman Catwoman wedding, but he's doing it at some random dude's house who... who the dude doesn't understand why he, why he thinks the invitation is going to come to his house, but it's the Joker, and it's all about psychological tor- torturing of this guy that ends up with no um, invitation showing up. 
Uh, and then the Bendis story, I liked a lot. I liked his Bendis. Sto- I liked the story in Action Comics 1000. We talked about this two weeks ago, but I like this one way better. Um, this feels like we're actually living in the world. This is all taking place basically in the Daily Planet, in which uh, Perry's giving an inspirational speech to the troops, and we meet a new reporter who uh, looks like to be a Lois replacement because Lois is, is no longer working the Daily Planet. We don't know why yet. Mm-hmm. But then we find out at the end she has some sinister motives. She's she's, she's secretly meeting with some people who who want to bring down uh, Perry White and the, and the paper and. Uh, and then it just, it was a really fun, typical Bendis story. Lots of dialogue, everyone in a post, on the post, everyone in the paper talking to each other in that Bendis way. And there's only some super, some Superman sort of, uh, flashes as, as Clark is, is trying to work on his story. And, uh, it was just a fun Bendis in the, you know, this is what I expected out of Bendis in the newsroom. And so I'm looking, now it makes me really excited for moving forward. And then, um, the big Scott Snyder, Tim, James Tinian, I think it's Tinian, right? We decided Tinian. That. Tinian. Mm-hmm. Can't keep up. There's just, just too many names. Joshua Williamson uh, story. I don't understand where all this came from, but it looked really great. Jorge Jimenez. The, the Justice League is broken up into all these uh, elemental specific teams as they fight these element gods. And, uh, you know, it'll be fun, even if. I don't really like. I saw that Lex Luthor was on Batman's team, and I rolled my eyes. But well, uh, I I want to bring up something about Lex Luthor as we get to. Well, yeah, we'll get to him in a second. Yeah, but uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to look good. I'm looking forward to Snyder's Justice League book that comes out of this particular uh, miniseries. But um, I don't understand. You know, I just it's sort of the same thing with Avengers. It's like well, let's just do another Justice League story. How about that? And let's let's not put. Uh, Lex Luthor and Damien and and Deathstroke on the team, and just well, I mean, like the fact is that um, rule breaking of sort of like, what if we put all the villains on our team? Like, we we've actually seen that a lot now. Yeah. So it actually feels the opposite of like original. Oh, sure. I feel like, I, feel like this, I just read the story where, where this Lex is like was, um, he was just on the Justice League like a year ago. This is like it feels like we're at a point now, like in 1997, where Grant Morrison was like, let's just put all the superheroes on the team and have them superhero, and that for you was a sort of real renaissance moment. And you're like, can we do that again? Can we hit yeah. that reset button? That's what I think you're feeling, and I think I am for to sure. a certain extent. Let's. It's like let Bartlett be Bartlett, right? Let's just let the heroes be heroes. Yep. How about, how about we just tell some some really great superhero stories? Okay. What's next? That's what I'm into. But I'm looking for. I'm going to read all of these books that are that are previewed in this in this preview book. And I will. I, so, I I recommend Josh. You go back and get it. I'm, I'm looking and through it. I'll read it. Anyone listening? It's it's like I think it's like 25 cents or something. I'll um, tell you something. Clay Man seems to be a, an artist leveling up. Yes. That's because that's that's really some impressive work there, and I, I don't. I'm not going to say that, but Tom King seems to be a pretty good vessel for like those people to reach their next step. It's almost like he 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 puts them in a context that's really fixed, and so like they have to innovate in order to make it work. And they and also like he's done great work, so they want to do great work with him. And it's this sort of symbiotic improvement thing that happens that I like. He's an artist's writer. Yeah, uh, and he gets really great artists as a result of it. It's true. Uh, but who wouldn't want to draw Batman? You know, it's a top book of DC. It's true, but also it's an interesting way to do it. Sure, for sure. So, so let's yeah. Talk about this one. Exit stage left, the Snagglebus Chronicles number five. <laughs> uh, first issue of this came out, maybe even the second, and we were like, I, I, don't, I don't know what this is. 
Yeah. And then sometime over the last two and a half issues, I'm going to say, I was like, this is amazing. Yeah, I have the same reaction. I haven't listened to your solo show yet because I only just read four this week. Uh I didn't want to spoil it. So I will go back now and listen to your commentary on four. But I thought four and five were the best issues so far. I mean, yeah. Mark Russell, like, I don't know if, I I don't know how well it was planned or whatever, but like he set it up and now when it's the point to knock it down, like it's connecting all over the place. Well, and also you're you're diving deep into the yeah. the Red Scare, the the McCarthyism, uh, the the what, the treatment of the gay community. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is you know there's tragedy here where Huckleberry Hound commits suicide after he is uh, re- arrested at uh, at at uh, uh, shit the, the 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 bar. Yeah, the club. I forget the name. Doesn't matter. It does matter. It's a cultural icon place. There's. It just got. I just walked past it the other day. Anyway. Uh, he was a key killed himself, and so that this this affects uh, Snagglepuss's um, a testimony. He was, I think, he might have been considering, you know, not if not if not cooperating, at least not going so hard at them. But now that his friend is dead, well, basically, he was going to sacrifice himself rather than his friend to sacrifice right. himself to save his friend. So whatever that was or that it takes, but he was going to. And then when when Huckleberry Hound is out of the way, just saying that sentence is absurd. <laughs> And and it, that's that's really kind of the brilliance of this book is that as you're reading it, you're like, man, that's oh wait, that's a talking pink panther with no pants. Um, right. And then you sort of Stonewall. Yeah. See, I'm I sorry, I, I oh you've said that before, and I but I don't have any uh, connection to it as a thing. But uh, I, yeah, but by the end of this, I just like even the I don't even know if it's faux, but the sort of melodramatic play that's being staged you know, in, in uh, simultane- simultaneously with sort of the story that's going on, like even those sort of lines are hitting. The heart is a kennel of thieves is a terrific play name. It is. But I, I just, I mean, all this, the scene where he's testifying is terrific. And I love that, you know, these mostly dumbass senators are trying to get over on this extremely erudite and smart writer who is just eviscerating them verbally. Mm-hmm is was terrific to watch especially you know knowing the history of everything um and also and, the tragedy of knowing that the lead investigator who's so hard on him is actually secretly a lesbian too is that's another layer to uh to the entire thing i mean if you if you did this i mean dc would obviously never do it if you did this as a straight up story with regular people i would be reading this yeah it would be amazing it's weird. Comics is weird that this is the context in which we have to have this story. And I don't know, like, do, like, are the people at Hanna-Barbera like, yeah, man, let's do it. Or are they just like, uh, okay. Like, I don't know how the, I can't imagine what that meeting is like at corporate headquarters. Right. Can you imagine? Uh, I mean, I guess, I mean, I guess it makes their characters hip and relevant in a way they never would be if they weren't. If it was just seven, straight up. To the seven of us reading the book. Sure. Sure. <laughs> It's hip to somebody. Sure. This uh, so the, story at the beginning, of course, uh, touches on uh, Khrushchev coming to power, which you can also see in the movie Death of Stalin, which I saw. So that all had better context for me. That um, was rough, man. Remind me never to be the best friend of a guy coming to power in Russia. Good call. Um, so I, I think the only downfall to this book is that uh, Mike Fian is, is a really strong artist and he does a really good job with with – you know, the, the Panthers and cats and things. But I think as someone who's meant to be drawing real people, he really just can't do it. Oh, I don't mind. It almost feels like Mad Magazine to me. But I don't even, I mean, at least Mad, they look, I could tell who I was looking at, you know. Uh-huh. There was one scene where 
I'm trying to find it. It might, it might have been in the last issue where they, they, they focus on some people's faces. And in, in, in the context, you clearly, clearly supposed to know their, who they were talking about. And I just right. have no idea who they were talking about. Um, he, oh, oh, it's in this one where they show the photograph of the, the, the black and white photograph of wholesome Americans. Uh, and then the, the, the examples of wholesome entertainers. And I just didn't, I don't know who these people are supposed to be. Right. It doesn't really matter, that's, but it just I don't know that that's so much the art, though. That's that's almost an editorial and and. No, but it, it reminded Paul and I talked about this. Or Ryan, one of, somebody who when you were on the show about there was the issue in which Marilyn Monroe and Joe, Joe DiMaggio right. were main characters, and none of them looked like anything like the people there. Okay, fair enough. I just, I mean, he's a really good artist. Just, oh, I, I see just, that. I see what you're talking about. Um, it just Is that reminds to be me Frank that, Sinatra and Sammy Davis Jr. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Okay, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you that. I see it's a valid point. Um, that that being said, like I find that sort of the layout acting, if I'm not trying to get a recognizable face, I, I think it's pretty strong. Sure. No, no, the the art's good. It's just that yep, I get that. Not, not not good at portraying real people. That's all. The dogs pause after he's killed himself, <laughs> and then his it was hat, rough. the hat next to the note, the note. <laughs> What's it say? To, to God or or whoever? Something like that. Or whomever, because he got that right. To God or whomever. That's that's rough. This is, this is a great script. And, and like, I don't know what Mark Russell's place in comics is going to be going forward, but we need to read whatever he's writing. For sure. Uh, not even in comics, or just wherever. Like, there's a, there's a really great voice there. Um, and, I, and I worry that there's not going to be a place for him here. Um, and, and we won't see it. So that's... Well, speaking of Mark Russell, uh, he's here in Action Comics Special Number One. Don't know what this is. Don't know why this is. But <laughs> it was enjoyable. I mean, I, I couldn't figure out if, like, so this featured three stories one by Dan Jurgens and Will Conrad, one by Mark Russell and Jill Thompson, and one by Max Landis and Francis Manipal, which we already read in the DC holiday special it was briefly in the digital version then it was removed oh it was, ne- it was never in the paper version i never read this i didn't get uh, it in mine so uh that was i already read that story uh, which which helped me save a little bit of time this week um but here you had a mark russell story about uh the a very timely story about the the washington press corps dinner in which uh both lois and and uh clark do a little comedy routine Mm-hmm. But, also, but it begins with a very traditional Dan Jurgens Lex Luthor, Superman story. But I just couldn't figure out, like, were these stories they meant to put in, like, 1,000 that didn't make it? Or I, I, I actually had the same thing. In, in their drawers they're just waiting for, to use? But, like, I didn't I, – I, coming two weeks after after Action Comics 1000, which featured a bunch of short stories, I just – I was like, why is this book here? Timeline-wise, it didn't seem to – yes. I mean, from a marketing perspective, timeline-wise, I was like, this, is this where we're at with Lex Luthor right now? Because it didn't feel like where we were. Um. Although it sounds like they may be teeing up things because at the yeah. end of the Mark Russell story, in a, in a not-so-subtle echoing of President Trump, they make fun of Lex Luthor all day at the, at the, at the, the press corps dinner, and then at the end he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run okay. for president. So, Trump, happened with Trump. Let's, I, have, I have two things. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just tackle Jurgens real quickly. Yeah. Jurgens has been writing this all along, so he's been pretty consistent about what this version of Lex Luthor is like. However... Most recently, like like Jurgens was sort of Team Superman, and the guy came back, and there was a little grudging respect happening. Whereas this seems to be much more vitriolic than it had been. Well, this that's because it's Lex from the future. No, no, no. The one who came was, but the current, present Lex. Oh yeah, yeah was yeah. still m- more. 
Like, all of a sudden, he's really mad that he had Superman on his chest or whatever. And I was like, when did that happen? Because I feel like I've read everything. I don't know what had happened in between there that would have made him more angry in the short term. I, th- I think they may be shifting his personality for yeah. you know the new era of Superman moving forward, in which I, that, he's more of a traditional villain. I find that somewhat jarring. Except that the, he's on the Justice League, so who knows? Exactly. Like, I don't know. Like, I like that antagonism to be a little more subtle, I guess. Or I at least t-shirt. I've enjoyed it that way. Um other Lex coming in from the future, he's angry. I think that worked really well. That's, you know, is a little on the nose. I think that's why I like the subtle stuff, because he's like, mm-hmm. I get that he just wants to be loved by everybody, and he doesn't like that Superman gets to is the, be the most popular kid in school. But they were just, like, shoving it down my face. So it was a little fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't like the Mark Russell story. <laughs> and I got to the end of it, and I went, oh. I was like, who wrote this? And then I was like, oh, Mark Russell. Okay, I kind of see where it's coming from. I just think I thought it was a little heavy-handed. I thought yes. the jokes uh, that 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 were supposed to be the funny jokes. It was like it was like Studio sixty, you know, like like yeah. oh, it's not actually funny. Um, but I don't know if that's intentional because I, I know. You know Clark is not a stand-up comedian. Although I I couldn't tell if they were, we were supposed to find him funny or not. Right, but somebody right, wrote they, his they, jokes. Like so, his problem would have been delivered. Whatever, like they just weren't good jokes at all. Um, and I was like, why are the superheroes there? That doesn't make sense. Yeah. Why is Batman in the corner? Um, and also, Lex Luthor Batman was president. Never in a thousand years no. of a crime being gone and eradicated would ever go to the White, the White House Correspondents' Dinner. Yeah, hanging out. Never, the, hanging ever, out the, ever, the, never, no. ever, never. Wonder Woman, possibly. Aquaman, possibly, because they're both heads of state. Yeah. Never, ever, never, ever, ever, ever. And 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 Flash, fine. It's awkward. I I can work with that. But it, Luther was president. It was a thing. We did that. We did it in the nineties. Yeah, I I remember it quite well. I liked it. That was a very good story. Are are we are we going to do it again and not acknowledge that it already happened? And if so, then why are we doing it again? Well, I don't need. Do it, Josh. Nothing makes sense. I don't need Luther as Trump in my story. I don't want it. I don't need it. I don't, don't do it. Back away now. Pretend this didn't happen. Maybe they will. I don't know. I feel like, I, I feel like there was another reference to it possibly in the Bendis story. Nope. But I can't, I can't tell you that for sure. So that's going to put me at odds with myself is what I'm getting at. <laughs> and as Josh at odds with himself, cannot stand. <sighs> he does it all the time. So Just you didn't fine. read this Max Landis Manipal story before. No. We, even though we did talk about it, what, did you, what were your thoughts? Uh... It was fine. There's a part, though, where Superman is holding the bad guy in the air. Not the bad guy, but whatever it is. And he just says, it's okay, man. We all make mistakes. And I just go, Superman doesn't say man. That's I. That was. That's what I took away from this. What do you think? He's more of a bro, dude? It's I don't okay, think bro. he's any of those things. And then, like, taking her for a ride in her chair. Like, I don't know what any of this had to do with anything. It looked well, it pretty. it was supposed to be a sweet Christmas story, as, as evidenced by the Christmas hat he's wearing, but it yep. just, it's weird. Also, they clearly, they, I mean, they obviously, they added the, the new design elements to the suit post uh, the story being drawn because it was drawn a year ago. Yep. Um, but, uh, I mean, I liked it. I liked it at the time. It's a, in the context of Christmas, it, it makes more sense than, than in this context of whatever this book is in the new era of Superman, but... Yep. I liked how he, calling him man aside, I liked how he dealt with the criminal as opposed to. Yeah, no, I, I did too. I, I, you know me, I get, I get stuck on that thing. I'm, I think I might be making up for Ron here. That sounds like an old Ron thing. 
Like he said, man, so the entire book is invalid. Low. Low. Exactly. Exactly. There's one for the long-time listeners. So there you go. Uh, yeah, I don't know why this book was pu- was published. It was weird. What. It was weird. Um, but there you go. Now let's talk quickly about iFanboy and how you can help the show. The best way to do that, patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where you can go and help the show directly. We have a passionate group of patrons who have their own private Facebook group, and they're chatting there, and they're chatting on the patron page. In in fact, they initiated the the patron pledge drive recently to get this show to the next stretch goal, which is the non-comics media podcast. They tipped us over 2,600 to get within 300 and change to the patron, uh, to the next stretch goal. So if you want to... Have another monthly podcast from us when we talk about TV or comics. I'm not comics. TV or movies or music. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever's non-comics. Well, that'll be the next stretch goal if you want to do that. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. I mentioned a second ago how I needed a t-shirt. Well, I can get one at iFanboy.threadless.com. That's where I can get my Nothing Makes Sense, Nothing Matters t-shirt. As, long as, our, as well as our other six designs, our seven total, at iFanboy logo shirt, our Herm shirt, our Pick the League podcast shirt, our rating shirt. If one is Electro, our GDAT, and our Nothing Makes Sense, Nothing Matters, all those can be also gotten in other forms, and iPhone cases or bath mats or, or shower curtains or all, all, all kinds tote of bag. things. Tote bags. Uh, mugs. I have an iFanboy logo mug on my desk. You can get all that at iFanboy.threadless.com, and we have a couple more days of free shipping, in fact. If you're listening to this on the day it came out, it's the 7th is the last day, so you probably need to do it right now. The 6th or 7th. So if you're listening to this pretty early on in us releasing it and you want to get free shipping, you've got time to do it right now. iFanboy.com slash support. That's where you can go get our direct donation button via PayPal. iFanboy.com slash Amazon. That's where you can find out all the books we talked about in the Booksplode, as well as a general Amazon link. All those ways you can use to support the show. Thank you very much, everyone who does it. We really do appreciate it. Uh, thank you. I could have made a case for Captain America number 701 being yeah. pick of the week. Sure. Um, I liked... That we just moved away into a completely different thing. Um, I thought the sort of prelude story um, by, and I can't, it's Adam, Adam Hughes, Hughes and, and J.G. Jones, but I don't know in what combination. No, no, no. I think J.G. Jones did the third story. Oh. He, it, it was three different artists. It was it was Adam Hughes did the open. Leonardo Romero did the middle, who was very, very similar to Chris Yes, he Tommy. was. In fact, yeah, I you're right. Okay. Check to make sure, and then J.G. Jones did the psychedelic uh, '60s story. Well, then I like the Adam Hughes story. I didn't like the the J.G. Jones one as much. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. That doesn't. That's sort of a low grade J.G. Jones from what we've seen. Yeah, it, was, it almost it didn't. It looked like he kind of using a different style or did it quicker. But the but. coloring isn't wasn't. I don't know. Um, okay, so the, I thought the Adam Hughes part looked great. Uh, Captain America t- uh, punched a Nazi in the box. So that was. That it looked was like a punch in the stomach, but I can. Okay. My first instinct was, "Whoa, Cap! I guess that's her stomach." But we need to be a little clearer about that. Um, it was fun and sort of exploitative and, and crazy. And I well, the it. thing is that I mean, I, I like this was interesting. The main thrust is that in the future, yes. Cap's descendants. Uh, in the future, everyone has a little bit of his super soldier serum, so no one gets sick. Everyone lives for three hundred years. They found a way to basically synthesize it and. And everyone's happy and healthy and it's great, but there's there's a problem and his his descendant is dealing with it. Um, but it just I taking that away, I'm like, what is what is going on here? Because this I, I, comes after after another time travel story. I know. And and it's like, are they just tap dancing to another reboot? Like what is happening? I think a little bit of that, but at the same time, 
and that would be a problem, except I find it, it's it's like an interesting sci-fi future horror thing that is sort of connected to Captain America, and I was cool with it because of that. I just thought it yeah, was Yeah, no, good. I mean, the story's fun, and it, it yeah. makes sense, and, and I like it, um, but I just like, I, it, I mean, I guess they are tap dancing until the Tahnees of Coates book, but uh, it just, you know... It's just it's just bizarre. Like, I, I, we're, we're traveling traveling through time again. Totally, but it, it but it worked for me. I like I I liked. I was like, oh, this is all the familiar things, but in a different context, and and I was cool with that. Plus, we got to we got fighting. You got Adam Hughes, Captain America, fighting in World War Two at the beginning. So I'll take it. I'll take it. It was fun. Nightwing forty four features the new writer Ben Percy, who was previously on Green Arrow. Um, after a brief stint by Sam Humphreys that should have worked but didn't. I don't, I don't know why, but it, he, didn't, he didn't, just didn't work out character and, and writer. But Ben Percy and, for me, the big story, art by Chris Mooneyham, who his, I've heard his name before in this show. I just don't remember uh, where. Oh, a book that I sort of had collected and always meant to read but never got to. You, you talk, I'll tell you what it is. But uh, he's terrific. He's got like this um, John Romita Jr. thing going on. But but a little but more dynamic, and uh, he's great. And so here we have a <laughs> you may you may get Josh why I like this so much a a Nightwing a Dick Grayson just just befuddled by modern culture, mm-hmm. just doesn't doesn't like being on his phone doesn't why everybody else is no one wants to talk to each other he tries to talk to a dude in the subway he's on his phone and the guy won't was, won't even answer him and. Everybody in the phone, subway is talking on, on their phones, and he's just standing there looking at everybody. Doesn't just doesn't get it. Okay. Barbara Barbara makes fun of him for being a luddite, and uh, he just you know he's just a personable, friendly guy. He doesn't understand why no people aren't aren't, aren't the same. But uh, so of course he's going to be dealing with a technologically based criminal here. But I just I like this new you know sort of paradigm shift in Nightwing. The art is terrific. Um, there's it's this you know this. This weird implant everybody has in their wrists, which can remake their their physical world around them. So you can make your apartment nicer, you can make your store nicer, and obviously there's some problems here. I but, just, uh, did we just see that in something else? Possibly. Let's see. Um, anyway, uh, it, 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 he I did really a book for Image called Five Ghosts. Did you read that? Nope. It wasn't the book I was thinking of either. I think there might be a, a second Mooneyham. I feel no, like maybe Mooney there's Ham. a Paul Mooneyham, and there's also a Chris Mooneyham. Paul Mooney wasn't there a TV host named Paul Mooney? Yes, uh, I was a comedian. Well, uh, a socially, uh, socially relevant comedian. So multiple Mooney hams would be would not be a problem because he's terrific, and I'm excited if he's. I mean, he's not going to be the regular artist because this is a book that comes out every two weeks, but hopefully he draws it, the whole arc. And I'm interested to see Ben Percy on the book. His I thought he petered out a bit on Green Arrow, sort of strong, but ended kind of. You got two mired in conspiracy stories, which again I'm kind of sick of in comics. Um, but here I really liked it, and I thought this is a fresh, interesting uh, direction for Nightwing after it's been it's been stumbling for a bit. Just in case the people at home didn't pick up on what has happened, um, you need to add to the list of things that we don't want is a uh, a Trump uh, superhero analog uh, character. We don't want Trump, it. Trump analogs. We don't want a Trump. We don't want any Trump analogs of any kind. Um, certainly not Lex Luthor is that. There's I don't need fewer, it. like six months ago, they were a lot like super on the nose and there was one in Green yeah. Arrow, yeah. but, uh, I haven't seen him in a little bit. So maybe, maybe the people got it out of their system. I don't know. I don't think so. I think they're just ramping up, especially if they do it with Lex Luthor. Don't do that. We don't want that. 
Xerxes, The Fall of the House of Darius and the Rise of Alexander. Number two, you talked about the first one on your solo show. Um, I I don't have a ton to say about it other than I am I, I, I don't I don't care what Frank Miller said in the past or what he did. Sure. I'm so happy that this guy is doing work like this that he wants to do. And that it it feels fresh and relevant and that and that you know he's turning himself around because i think he had a rough spot and now like he's out there and he's doing stuff and and i and i don't know if people he definitely had a rough health spot yeah and i i don't know if people younger than us understand what a big deal he is huge he's I mean, an all-time great we were going to do that video show ranking all you know the important yeah. comic people he would have been in the top he's 10 a, for sure probably the top five all-time comic creators like he's an elvis you know, in that sense. And I, and that I, I you know, I, I won't ever forget that. And the fact that he's, he's doing where he's not that old and it sort of seemed like, Oh, I guess he's done, which is sad. And he's not done. He's writing and drawing this whole book and, and it's interesting and it's, it's fun and it's, it's his style and it's what it's look It's changed because that's what happens, but thank goodness for it. Yeah. I, I'm actually really liking this. Uh, it's, it's strong Miller writing. Yeah. It feels very, uh, in the vein of 300, but, but still, you know, more modern and also i mean look the art is what the art is he's not sam he's not sam miller i don't know who that is he's not frank miller of 20 years ago but he can still draw just in a different it's just in a different way that still is recognizably frank miller but in, and it's a in, choice like he's making the choice to do it this way it's not because he can't do whatever else he's this is what i don't know doing. i mean he's 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 his art's been going this way for a long time yeah. this is this is what Dark Knight Three kind of looked like. I mean, this is his style. Just, um, you know, there's an expressionism in it that that yeah. I don't think. I mean, it was well, I love it there. as much as the old stuff, but that's sure. normal. That's how things work. But I like this a lot. I, I enjoyed the first two issues. This is very much. Yeah. Um, real quickly, I just wanted to touch on Black Science number thirty-five, which was I thought a sort of a. There, I, I keep reading at the back of these books. We're back, and I was like, I don't remember when you left off. And to be completely honest with you, <laughs> book. I say that. I say that to to letter columns. All right, yeah, fine. You're back, I guess. Um, this was a night. Was a, this was. Uh, th- I think that there was a big thing that happened at the end of the last one. It brought that sort of part of the story to a close, and then this one we find um, Grant and his estranged wife uh, sort of at a place where they're trying to reconcile them, um, and then they can't do it, and they fail at it. And you find out at the end um, that these people who are trying to reconcile them do this all day, every day with different versions of them because they're trying to stop the universe from getting torn apart and they fail every single time. And I was just like, God, that's grim. <laughs> I just, I thought it was really well done and really imaginative. Um, and that's all. Mateo Scalera well, needs to stop, yeah. but also he puts the camera up everyone's nose. He, I mean, also, I mean, I think it's time to wrap the story up. I'm, or at least, yeah, get into that. I mean, we're we're, had, we're in the home stretch. It's, yeah. it's, it's what's happening. I'm just saying it's right. It's, it makes sense. It's it's had its story. The arc is closing, and it makes sense. This is not a book that needs to go on for. A I know minutes. everything about Grant McKay at this point that I need to know. Let's see how he fixes it up. Right. Or does? So I, I'm, I wanted to mention Doctor Star and the Kingdom of Lost Tomorrow's number three because I'm sure you're not reading it, which is a bummer because issue two and then issue three was all about the fallout of relativity, which is your favorite oh, thing. Oh, I do love relativity. So in the second issue, Doctor Star goes out. He gets he gets contacted by aliens. He's the first person to make contact with aliens. He's, he tells his son, "I'll be right back. I'm just going to make a quick jaunt into space to talk to these aliens." No, you can't come with me. And he goes out to talk to the aliens. Uh, he gets transported to their world, and they're being terrorized by this space dragon monster that lives near a black hole. 
And he's in such a rush to go fight the monster, he doesn't realize in his head, oh, shit, I shouldn't go near the black hole. He does. And when he comes back to the end of issue two, he realizes he's been gone for like 25 years, even though it's been 18 years, even though it's been only like a, a day for him. So he comes back. His, his wife is old and they're destitute. His son is an angry and bitter young man and, you know, going nowhere in his life. And this is the fallout of that because that happened at the end of the last issue. Um, and it's it's been this has been a terrific story. Jeff Lemire, Max Fumora, the, the main character is obviously James Robinson. It's a take on Starman, but they also combine Starman with the Green Lantern Corps because it goes back to the planet and finds that the aliens have created a sort of Starman Corps in his honor from with aliens from all over the galaxy. So it's basically the Green Lantern Corps. But back home, he's dealing with a, a, a wife who hates him, a daughter-in-law who doesn't want to talk to him because his son is is has cancer. Um, and... Uh, it's just it's just a bummer that he 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 ruined his life by go to go going to meet the aliens. Meanwhile, the aliens all worship him as a god. So it's a very complicated existence for Doctor Star. Hmm. And I can really read that without having to read the whole thing. You can. You don't need to read Black Hammer at all. Okay. Cool. You can go ahead. Doctor so. Star on its own. One, two, three. No problem. It gives all right. you all the information you need. Let me find it. And I was right. reading this. And Josh is not reading a relativity story. All I right. must. I must tell him. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Welcome. Let us move along to our patron pick. So the patrons at patreon.com slash ifanboy who can vote to add a book to the rundown every week as they did this week for Death or Glory number one apparently thought we would not review a new Rick Remender image book. Where Rick Remender has changed things up, but instead of naming it after a punk song from the 80s, it is named after a punk song from the 70s. So, way to stretch. I'm kidding. Art by Bengal, who's our, I, I like quite a bit. Bengal has showed up randomly in places here and there, most notably a Batgirl annual I really liked a couple years ago. So this story is a young woman in the future or the present? Uh, I think like nearish Near future. future. Maybe not. Maybe it's just now. Maybe not. Why did I, I think it's her outfit is the only thing that made me think it was nearish future. Um, lives off the grid with a bunch of people, a community of people living off the grid. They're all into cars and you know fixing them up and and uh, not living living under the rules of the man. Yeah. And then uh, something bad happens, and she has to go fix it, and it gets worse. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm being very vague, but it's a new number one image, and I'm not you know. I know not, yeah, I think I think we get the point across. Um, I thought it was a, it felt different than a lot of the other Remender stuff that we're reading. I don't know that I can pinpoint why this had a sort of a vaguely southern bent. I think, and I don't think his characters sound like that a lot. I was like, these sound like Jason Aaron characters to a certain extent. (laughs) Um, So it had sort of a slightly different flavor. I don't think there is a sci-fi element. No. I think I was just expecting it the whole time, and then I didn't really realize that there wasn't one. Well, Um, there isn't one in Deadly Class. There is in the sense that, like, I don't know if it's sci-fi is the right word, but there's an sci-fi. It's more like pulp, uh, big, you know. Yeah. It reminds me of, like, a... Kung Fu movie in the seventies. There was an like, unrealistic element. Well, to sure. It I mean, in that you know, like that this is a thing that exists. So far in this, this isn't that different than our world. Yeah, I mean, she's wearing basically a superhero costume, but that 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 threw me. Um, but uh, well, I mean, it's basically a racing suit, but just with a helmet. But yeah, um, but I I didn't. I mean, the crime is drug dealing, and there's you know, or or human smuggling. So it's it's all basically grounded. Um, but it feels more like a. I know we keep trying to assign like genres or tropes to these books, but it feels like a big sort of road action movie, yeah. you know, kind of like 
Cannonball Run Smoky or Smokey Bandit. Bandit, but more serious. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of tone, you know, like over the top evil cops and people just want to live free with their cars and not be hassled by the man. And it felt it feels very much like that kind of thing. It's super fun. It feels like the kind of like the Dukes of Hazard kind of in a yeah. bit. In a it's way. really hard for me to not not search for subtext in Rick Remender's work. Oh, for sure, it'll come um, out. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I think they, it's already they there. They've expelled all of it in Black Science this week. No, but there's a real like. I want to be off the grid thing here. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, like all of this stuff that's happening outside is ruining everything. You know, wh- whatever it is, the you know, there's a saltiness, there's an earthiness here that they're they're, they're trying to make uh you know attractive. Not trying to be like that's that's one of the things in the story. Like they're good good simple folk. Uh, you know, the big like the folk in uh in almost famous, just simple folk having a good time. Yeah. Want to watch me feed my snake? <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> I know that movie really well, like, and I can talk at great length about its strengths and flaws. We don't have time for that now, but I it can has no do flaws. It. it has many flaws. It is quite flawed. Flaws are, make it better. Nope. Although they do lend to its character, I I put it in a category very much like um, Gangs of New York. Oh no no I, no that, no that no. I do. You're not the same this as is me. The kind of discussion we can have in the all in the uh, non-comics media podcast. Maybe we, we should can, do that. And then we'll do we an will, almost famous episode. In fact, if we, we do that show, if we hit that goal, we'll 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 kick it off with 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 our discussion of, of what's wrong with almost famous, even though I say nothing. Well, we will. We can. You know what? We should go ahead and record that, and it'll be a thing Just, that that exists, and that people, if they want to hear it. <laughs> Just saying. Um, let's talk I about like Ben this. Gall. I like this. this was fun. This I. It's. I don't want to say it's Remender Light because that's that's a criticism and it's not a criticism, but it, it's not as heavy as his other books. Yes. And I, I, it was a nice, it was a nice break from feeling bad about the world all the time, which is what I do I in Remender's books, even though they're really good. I did feel so, bad about the world, but not as bad. But not in the in the world we're all doomed to kind of way. Yeah, you know. Uh, but I like this. It was fun. I like the Bengal art a lot. I, I uh, like his. I like his. I like his storytelling. I like how the action and motion were conveyed really well. I thought that was nice. Um, I don't love his faces. Little it's anime, just, it's a stylistic thing. Uh, I don't know. It just doesn't. I don't know. Um, but his figure drawing is great. You know, he draws a sexy lady. You know, he's over remote like a bunch of Italians. Yeah. Yep. Uh, he's pretty good. I enjoyed. I it. I like him a lot. I think Bengal's gonna blow up eventually. I think he's gonna. I think uh, he's still. I mean, he's still relatively new. I think mm-hmm. after a couple of things, he's going to really blow up. Yep. Let's do ratings. Death ratings. or Glory, number one ratings out of five. I'm going to give it a four. I'm going to give it a four. Sticking with it. Yes. Yes. It's just okay, another yeah. story. Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy. That's where you can vote on books to get on the show, and you can't vote for trade paperbacks. Everyone have voted for Tag and Bink this week. We say it very specifically in the rules. No trade paperbacks. We reviewed that. Yeah, in 1997. <laughs> we did it. I'm just... <laughs> we, were, we were not doing a podcast then, but we reviewed it on the website. Anyway, there you go. Patreon pick. And also at patreon.com. If you give at a $5 or higher level, you get a dumb superpower from us here live on the show. Let's kick it off with yours, Josh. Eric Firth has the power to turn into a small fish. Like a goldfish? Yeah, a better... Something, a small fish. Mm. It's not always going to be useful. In fact, it's a bit of a challenge to think of how, but at will, small fish. You want to be careful where you are. That's what I was going to ask. Is, he in the, is, there, a, is there a bowl around him as Otherwise well? Otherwise, it's the end of a Faith No More video. 
<laughs> I've got a scratchy throat thing going on, so laughing is painful, but man, that was good. Thank you. Small fish. So, but so which kind of small fish? You got to pick one. I mean, I was looking at our betta fish when I said that, when I wrote that down. So like just one of those little Siamese fighting fish. It's one of those. Well, that's good. I think that's a good because then he could be some sort of tactical fish. Situation. Oh, there's a way to make that useful. For sure. Traffic's bad. Bloop into the sewer. <laughs> Does it make the sound bloop when he changes? And when no, when he hits the water. Oh. Because theoretically, he won't be fully immersed when he does it, and he will shrink into a fish and then drop from the height where his head was. I see. And you want to be over water when that happens. Otherwise, we discussed it. <laughs> Faith no more. Ronan Lennon. You want it all, name. but you can't have it. Terrific name from, by Ronan Lennon. I agree. I was like, that's, a, that's, the, that's the great, great uh, stepchild of someone. <laughs> Ronan Lennon is really, first of all, this is not his power, but you just know Ronan Lennon's super cool. Anyway, uh, Ronan Lennon, his car is always clean. <laughs> Spotless. <laughs> Doesn't matter the conditions. If it's raining, if he's in, if he's under a sprinkler, if it's if it's dirty outside, if there's smog, if it's by the ocean. Someone I know got spotless. a new car, <laughs> <laughs> and it's not me. I just passed a hundred thousand miles on my second vehicle. Always clean this mm-hmm. car. You could throw food at it, and it would just not stick. Through what mechanism? Magic. Okay. So he can just he can just throw his stuff down like people would do with garbage in the fifties. Yeah, just, I mean he could throw food on his car, but it wouldn't stick to the car. It would be on the ground. He'd be a jerk for doing that. Okay. But. Oh, so it, go, it doesn't saying, disappear. It's it's. No, no, no. It doesn't disappear. It just slides off the car. Cool. Nothing sticks to it. And this is this is his car. It's not any car, and it's not like, you know, uh, it's it's not it's whatever car he he drives. Okay. Mark Wood. Who I believe Connor and I used to work for. <laughs> oh yeah, we did. <laughs> Fuck you, Mark. If you Fuck. happen to be man- managing director at a UK uh, media company, yeah. um, then uh, we worked for you, Your Mark Wood. Uh, he's a semiconductor. He's a semiconductor. Yeah, I don't know what a semiconductor is though. <laughs> okay, Just know that it's is. impressive, and, and Mark Wood is a human semiconductor. All right. Does he feel adequate next to regular conductors? I think yeah. we had a. I don't. I don't think the semi is bad. I think it's just. I don't know. I feel like isn't that where like Kevin Arnold's dad worked at a company that made semiconductors? I don't know, but it gave him agita and then heart yeah. attack. I know that. Like his, if his friend was a microprocessor and he was a semiconductor, then somebody out there knows what this is, and they either think it's really funny or not. And I like the challenge of that. I also like that we don't know. That's great. I, don't, I didn't look it up. I specifically did not look it up. I don't want to know what a semiconductor is, but I feel like it's pretty cool. <laughs> okay. Um, I tr- I, I, all right. So Bryce Carroll. Bryce Carroll, thanks for being a patron. Bryce can hold any book in his hand, and immediately he's read it. Wow. Now, it doesn't, he doesn't have photographic memory. Has he's he like, – yeah, he's, he's like the rest on. of us, where he he remembers as much as he can, but sure. he has he has read the book. He holds it in his hand; it's read. Does he have? And we really need to wrap the show up. But yeah, yes. does he have the ability? Like, you know, when you read a book, because read, reading a book is a start-stop affair for most of us. Um, you know, and you'll get to a point where you're just like, "Oh man, 
this is great. Everyone should know about this one. I love that feeling when I read a book. And I mm-hmm. feel like if you're ingesting it all at once, maybe you're not getting that. Maybe. I like mean, he gets the feeling of having done it afterwards, but not the experience necessarily of doing it. And no, is but then he's like, that was terrific. He, he's, he's, he, his, it's the feeling you have when you're done. So he, sure. he's read it all. He's like, oh, that was really good. People should know about it. Sure. But he doesn't have it in the middle of the book. He's just, Finishing the book is not the best part of reading the book, though. No, but he has all the information. The best part of reading the book is after you get past the, I don't know what I'm reading right here. And you get that first thing where you realize that you have to stop reading and you don't want to. Yes. That's the best part of reading a book. I had that with the goldfinch. Yeah. All right. So Bryce can read any book by holding it. Bryce, Mark, Ronan, Eric, thanks for being patrons. We appreciate you. Patreon.com slash iFanboys where you can go and join up for $5 or more if you want your own dumb superpower on the show. Thanks, everyone. So I guess we're going to skip audience questions. I'm going to read one email. It's not a question. (laughs) Jason wrote in to say... No no uh, capitalization or punctuation. Jim Lee is still exciting. And I want to thank Jason for being the only one who at least took an attempt at following up on the thing that I'd asked about. That's right. During the Just Lee, um, Action Comics 1000 discussion, Josh asked people if they were still big fans of Jim Lee to write in and explain why. Jason didn't do the second part, but at least he did the first part. Yeah. It's possible somebody commented on that and I forgot about it. But I didn't see it anywhere. So okay. maybe there's not a groundswell. Jason, Jim Lee, Jason says Jim Lee is still exciting. So thank you. Contact at ifanboy.com if you want to write in and get on the show. We have, we'll, get, we'll get the emails on soon. We've been going along on the comics talk for a while. A lot of pause. comics. Let's talk about upcoming shows or past shows. Avengers Infinity War. We just did a show on that. It, it was, it's a couple of shows back on the feed, but it's dominating our downloads. Because mm-hmm. everyone wants to talk about Avengers Infinity War. So we had a good time, me and Josh and Ryan Haupt, talking about the film for over an hour, I believe. That's a long one for us. I, was, I told my wife, these don't usually go that long. I'll be up soon. Not the case. <laughs> the raw feed, I think, was half as long as the actual movie. <laughs> so, uh, but that was a fun discussion, and I enjoyed it. And so if you, if you saw the event movie, if you were – I mean, apparently everyone has seen it. So if you've seen it and haven't heard our show yet, we've got it there on, back on the feed. You can find it at uh, Avengers Infinity War. Um, speaking of long shows, uh, I had a conversation with comic book writer, um, almost artist, but that didn't happen. Uh, Donnie Cates uh, on my latest Talksplode episode. Um, Donnie Cates, everyone. Donnie uh, Cates. Good name. He, uh, good guy. Good guy. We talked to that show. It's almost an hour and a half long, which, again, is really sort of long for those sort of things. And uh, people seem to be enjoying it. I certainly enjoyed it. I think Donnie enjoyed it. Um, so if you are interested in uh, what it's like for a, an up-and-coming Marvel writer right now, um, with, with a pretty interesting story, I think. Also, uh, and he's, he was pretty candid too, which, which I think was, is always makes for a good show. Um, please check that out. I, w- I was happy to do it. So that's the Talksplode and the Booksplode. Both those shows were unlocked by the patrons, so thank you. This month's Booksplode show, in which we talk about a single graphic novel or trade paperback, is coming up. We have the book. We will announce it soon once we have the date locked of the release date. But in the next couple of weeks, this is a very special edition heavy week, a heavy month. There's a a lot of shows coming up. So the Bucks Blood's coming up, Deadpool 2's coming up, Solo's coming up, and also Batman Ninja, the animated next animated film is coming up. So you've got four extra shows coming to you in the next four weeks. So it's going to get crowded. We've got to figure out scheduling a little bit. But once we know when the Bucks Blood's coming out, we'll let you know as, soon, as well as the patron-only monthly hangout is going to be scheduled soon. So all that information will be coming at you momentarily. But in the meantime, all those shows – 
when they come out. And all of our past special shows can be found at ifanboy.com. All of our podcasts are there, everything you want to look at. And don't forget, go on YouTube and find all of our old video shows. They're all there too as well. Someone asked this week, sent an email in asking what we thought about Miracle Man. And I wrote, I just pointed him to that show we did about it because it's a half an hour discussion. And it's more we can do on the show here. So that's probably better for you. So if you can, yeah. if you want more and you haven't seen our old video shows, they're all on, uh, over on YouTube. Yeah, and then if just try to imagine I'm not wearing shorts at any point that I am wearing shorts because that was a mistake. But it was also hot. That's true. Uh, you can find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out by liking Facebook at or liking the show at facebook.com slash ifanboy and following at ifanboy on Twitter. And you can follow us individually on social media at J.A. Flanagan on Twitter and Instagram and at C.S. Kilpatrick on Instagram. If you like this show, if you like any show, if you like a thing, make sure that you are the voice of support for that show. Leave a review for podcasts on iTunes, star ratings, things like that. Make sure that people know about it. Better yet, pass it around to people. Use your social media connections to be like, I like this show. If you like that podcast about Infinity War, we saw this. You know, people would pass it around and say, oh, you know, this is a good show about that, uh, about that, or or people are. Um, the response to the the uh, Toxplode that came out and uh, people were retweeting it and saying, please, you know, listen to this if you want to know about making comics or anything like that. Um, that stuff really helps. That word of mouth is is really our and, and the entirety of our marketing advertising. The, the days of us being in the back of DC Comics appear to be over. I mean, it could happen again, but we don't even really know how that happened. So um, that's all, I guess. Yes. Tell, tell folks about it. Uh, and uh, I'm Josh. And I'm Connor. We'll talk to you next week. See you next week. 